Well, good morning again. So in the last week of our series, Next Steps, and, and we've been kind of talking about, you know, salvation's just the beginning. And there's everything that us as believers should be doing. And this series hasn't just been for a new believer, it's been for all of us who are believers, because I think sometimes we forget what we're called to do, and we don't always do what God's Word calls us to do, or to be who God calls us to be. And this week we're going to be in Romans chapter 12, and I'm going to kind of jump into it because there's a lot, a lot to go through in the short amount of verses we're going to read. But, but in Romans 12, the very beginning of it, the Apostle Paul is, the first two verses are looking at the individual or us as believers. And he's speaking to the believers on, on what we ought to do um, and how we should be in our life and understanding that we have this obligation to give Jesus our best in service, to give him our best in our sacrifice. So it's more of that individual looking at us, but then the rest of the chapter kind of goes into what we as believers should be doing in the body of Christ and what type of example or how we should be living our life as believers in Jesus Christ. So it goes from pointing to us on what we should be doing for him to pointing to us on what we should be doing for him within the body of believers and within this world. And if you remember last week, I kind of talked about, you know, we're living in this Romans 1 world and we need a Romans 12 ministry in the world today. So, so this is part of what we as the believers in today's world in today's culture should be actually doing. And, and as we go through this, there's going to be three observations that I think should really stand out to us on how we should live our life and do what we're called to do by Jesus. And, and ultimately, the whole big idea today is that each Christian has been gifted by the Holy Spirit in some way to aid the body of Christ as we move forth in God's kingdom. So each one of us have a gift. Now, of course, the big idea here is that we need to watch ourselves. We need to watch ourselves and ensure that we're not trying to use gifts that haven't been given to us, because we generally will try and do that. But we need to be exercising the spiritual gifts that we've actually been given. See, a lot of times people will get a gift and they're like, man, but, but God, I don't want this gift. God gives each one of us a gift, and we're going to get into that. And it may not be the gift that you want, but you may be surprised it's the gift that God can actually use you in the most. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12. We're going to be verses 3 through 8. And as a reminder, if you don't have a Bible, there is one in the back of the pew in front of you, um, or the scripture will be up here on the screen also. So let's dig in. Romans 12, verses 3 through 8. For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. Now, as we have many parts in one body and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. According to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the, 
to the proportion of one's faith. If service, use it in service. If teaching in teaching, if exhorting in exhortation, giving with generosity, leading with diligence, showing mercy with cheerfulness. So as I was saying from the beginning, we, we got to look at what Paul's talking about here. You know, and, and many of us, I don't know about you, but being in the business world for a long time, you know, in business we use all different kinds of, you know, like personality exams that you take or personality profile tools that you end up taking. And some of them, you know, like Myers-Briggs. Uh, I think I've taken the Myers-Briggs so many times over, over my lifetime, and it's amazing how what I do changes, how my personality changes. You got the caliper profile, you got a disc profile, you got strength finders, and, and all those these tools are valuable to kind of tell us how we tick, to kind of tell us our personality traits. They, they can actually become a bad focus. You know, we, we can start focusing on these and go, oh, you know what? Man, that's why I had that childhood pain. Oh, because of my personality type, or, or that's because my work ethic is like this because it's my, my personality. Or maybe it's your, how you respond to someone else. Well, it's just my personality. That's how I am. See, people will use these in different ways. And, and, and ultimately, some people will start to judge. I remember when at my last ministry, people learned my profile. And they're, oh, that explains it all. Really? Really? That, that, so my personality profile explains it all? Well, and just so you know, my personality type is a defender. I am under Myers-Briggs and ISFJ. So if you don't know what that is, I'm going to give you some homework. Go ahead and look it up, and I encourage you to take it, take it and see what you are. But then when you actually read it, you're going to be like, oh, yeah, that's him. Um, but see, a lot of times I think we look at spiritual gifts the same way. We, we, we take those spiritual gifts that God gives us, and, and they become something that we become way over proud of. You know, we, we get too proud of, oh, well, this is my gift. Or sometimes maybe we're ashamed of it because, you know, it's not out in the limelight. I wish God would give me something to do out in front of everybody. I don't know why I got this, so we kind of get ashamed of it. Or in some cases, we may just become so infatuated with the gift that God gave us that it becomes a problem. And that's exactly what the Apostle Paul's talking about here today. And the first thing he talks about is we need to watch your pride. You need to watch your pride. You see that in verse 3. It says this, For by the grace given to me, I tell everyone among you not to think of himself more highly than he should think. Instead, think sensibly as God has distributed a measure of faith to each one. See, one of the greatest dangers that we face as we walk through this world each and every day, is pride. Pride is one of the biggest things that every one of us face. And if you think you don't have pride, you might as well go look in the mirror. Because as soon as you think you don't have it, you probably do have it. And unfortunately, pride is the root of all sin. And you might say, well, wait a minute, Pastor. How is pride the root of all sin? Because most sin starts with a simple letter. I. Or two letters, me. 
So pride in that sin all starts with me, myself, and I. So when you start looking at pride, you start looking at what is it, that single letter, I, I, I. And when we start thinking about I, I, I too much, generally it comes up with a pride issue because you're thinking about yourself more than maybe you ought to think about yourself. You know, also notice that um, the Apostle Paul remarks on not get, you know, these, these remarks aren't isolated for a few people. This is for all of us. This is for every believer in Jesus Christ, what he is writing here in Romans, that we should be doing and that we need to watch out for. And I think as we look at pride, it's twofold. Uh, pride can come at you two different ways. It can come as a, a self-deception, you know, thinking more of yourself than maybe you ought to think. Um, you think about it, Paul's mind here is uh, people who look down on other believers, people who think, you know, they're, they're here and everyone else is here. You know, and like I tell people all the time, yeah, there's a pastor in front of my name, a title in front of my name, but I'm not here. I'm right here with everybody else. I'm just as messed up. I'm just as jacked up. I am a sinner saved by grace, just like everyone in this room and everyone who's joined us for church online. There is no difference from me than anyone else, just like putting Mr. in front of my name. I'm still the same person. And I think when pride comes in, we tend to look down on others or some people. And we can all probably think of people, think they're holier than thou. Oh, I'm much holier than them. You know, and they walk like they're above everybody else. And we've all seen people like this throughout our day. And, you know, some of you looking at other people in the room, don't be doing that, you know. Uh, maybe you tend to think that your gift is more superior than someone else's. You know, oh, I got this gift, so my gift is more superior than this. Every gift means something to God, and every gift can be used by God. You think about it, there's some people who think that they should be in control of the church. In their mind, they think they have the answers to every problem, big and small. You know, well, I don't know why they're not doing it my way. You know, and they, they tend to boast themselves up like this. And, and I really don't know what goes through a person's mind when they think that they're the stuff. You know, because you got people who think they're the stuff, they're the greatest gift to be in any situation whatsoever, and they think that they're God's gift to the church. And I think what they seem to forget is that the church was here before they got here, and the church will be, gone, be here after we're gone. So none of us at all are the greatest gift to God's church. The greatest gift to God's church is, of course, Jesus Christ. But we'll get caught up in ourselves and and we actually believe that, well, you know, if, if I leave, the church is going to die. No, it's not. And if you think that, start looking at yourself in the mirror because that's a pride issue. And even John in 3 John chapter 9 talked to someone just like this. His name was Diotrephes, and he, they actually described him as this, who loves to have first place among them. See, way too many people in the church have forgotten that the church has been here and the church will be here after we're gone. And I think the conclusion is every believer is important. Every one of us are important in the body of Christ. However, none of us are essential. Think about that. 
So none of us are essential in the body of Christ because no one of us can carry the whole body of Christ on our shoulders. It takes everybody in order to move it. So it's not leaned on one person. And if there's a ministry or something that's relying on one or two people to do it, they need to seriously look at themselves because they're going to have this spiritual downfalling. It's going to collapse because when you're relying on one or two people to do everything, you're going to run into issues. And one of the issues you will run into is pride because the pride of life is going to be there. And I think we need to live on this truth that Paul wrote about in Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5, which say this, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility consider others as more important than yourselves. Everyone should look to his own interest, uh, look not to his own interest, but rather to the interest of others. Adopt the same attitude as that of Jesus Christ. Now, I think the second spectrum of pride is this self-criticism. Some people may call it self-humility. And we all know someone who probably falls in this. You know, These are the people that when you ask them to do something, they say, oh, I can't do that. Oh, I can't. I don't have the talent to do that. Oh, God didn't gift me in this way to do that. Oh, you know, I just can't do anything. I don't have any talents to help the church. Listen closely. If you are saved, there is something you can do. Let me say that louder for the people in the back. If you are saved, there's something you can do. Everyone who is saved by Jesus Christ can do something. So don't think, well, I can't do this or I can't do that because every one of us can do something. Now, the problem comes, it may not be something that you want to do, but it's something that he wants you to do. And then that's when the struggle comes in. Oh, I can't do that. Oh, yes, you can. By the power of the Holy Spirit, we can move mountains. We can do whatever he calls us to do. We just got to be willing to do it. We got to be willing to take that step and move forward and do what he called us to do. In 1 Corinthians 12, 7, it says this, a manifestation of the spirit is given to each person for the common good. So if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you have the Holy Spirit, he gifted you with something for the common good of the entire body of Christ. The problem is most of us don't know what it is. You see, what we need to do is find out what that gift is and then get busy doing it to glorify God. Find out what your gift is and start using it. As big a gift as it may be, as small a gift as it may be, Use the gift God gives you to glorify God. And understand, to do less is basically to slap God in the face because if you're not doing the gift that he gifted you with, you're basically telling God, oh, you messed up, you didn't know what you were doing. Does anyone in this room want to tell God that he messed up and don't know what he's doing? You think, yeah, you do? You want to tell God he don't know what he's doing? I don't. I'm here to, I don't want to tell God he's... God, you don't know what you're doing. Now, I will tell you, I have struggled in the past saying, well, wait a minute, God, I'm a, I'm a care minister pastor. 
You want me to get up and preach in front of people every week? God, you're making a mistake. I can't do that. It's been what? Almost two years now, a year and a half? You know, I never thought I'd be up here preaching. I never saw myself as standing in front of people preaching. I always saw myself as care ministry. I meet people where the world meets the church, where life happens and comes through them doors of the church is where I always was at. And maybe that's why I have a heart for caring for people and trying to do what God's word tells us to do to take care of people. But we got to understand we need to do what God calls us to do. And understand that along the same line of the, you know, oh, I can't do anything, you have the other end of that spectrum with people who downplay what the Lord has gifted them with. Think about this. You go to someone and, and they did this mighty thing for the God, and you're like, man, that was great. John, you did an amazing thing for God. And, and then John's response is, I don't know what you're talking about. You know, is that false humility that goes along? Well, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, yeah, you do know what you're talking about. And if anything, God gave you this gift to do it. If someone comes up and tells you, man, that was great, you know, I just, Jerry, I love what you did, man. Just be open and honest. Hey, well, thank you, but the glory goes to him. I'm just doing the will of my father. I'm just doing what he called me to do. Instead of being, well, I didn't know nothing. Yeah, you did. You know when God uses you. You know when you're being used by God because literally something will come out of your mouth and in your mind you'll be going, where'd that come from? Or you start seeing something happening and all of a sudden you're like, wait, how did that? Because you don't realize how you even did it. That means the Holy Spirit took over and took care of the situation and used you to perform the will of God. And there is no better feeling in the world than to know that, man, God just used me. But don't let it get prideful. Keep that humble humility knowing, hey, you know what? Hey, God, thank you for using me. Where can you use me again? Be open and obedient to what God calls you to do and give him the credit. Give him the credit for what he does when he does it through you. Don't just sit back and act like nothing happened and just try and shrug it, shrug it off. He tells us instead to think sensibly. So we need to think of others. And I think this verse is teaching us that to be, we need to make an honest assessment of what God's done in our lives, uh, of how he, what he's done with us, how he's gifted us, but not to become puffed up in that area, but continue to move forward. Simply accept what the Lord has done in your life. Simply accept what he's going to do in your life. Simply accept the gift that he gives you. Take it, move forward, and be obedient. Be used by God. Be that vessel that he uses to change someone else's life because of the gift or talent he has given you. And give him the glory. Two times in the first, in three verses here, God uses the word grace. We know that we're all saved by grace. We all got into this thing the same way. We're all going to the same place because of God's grace. Think about that. We were all washed by the same blood. We're all going to the same heaven. When we get to heaven, we're all going to sing the same song. 
Regardless of our backgrounds, remember we're all sinners, and by his grace we've all been saved. Grace means something. And understand, you and I will never be better than any other believer. We're never going to be better than any other believer. We're going to be who God called us to be, but we're all in the same playing field. And we're all serving by his grace. The Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15, 10, but by the grace of God, I am what I am. Sounds like Popeye. I am's what I am's. Be who God called you to be. By his grace, actually say, I am what I am, and I'm going to do what he called me to do. Because his grace saved every one of us. Every one of us have been saved by his grace. Every one of us is going to the same place. And we all need to be living the right kind of lives for Jesus. We need to be living our lives for him. And whatever gifts, talents, and abilities he gave, by his grace, make sure you use it for his glory. Because each one of us have different. And, and understand that not given... They're not giving us to, so we can exalt ourselves. Gifts are given us to us, given to us so we can exalt him. Exalt him and change the world as we walk through it. So make sure you use the gifts that you have. And, and the second thing I think we, you know, from we need to watch our pride, he goes on to tell us we need to watch our place. Watch your place. Watch your place within the body. Watch your place within the church. And, and in verses 4 and 5, he says this. Now, as we have many parts in one body, and all the parts do not have the same function, in the same way, we who are many are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. So we need to use our respective gifts for the good of the whole body of Christ. So it's a bigger picture than just yourself. Yes, we are individuals. We come into the relationship with Jesus individually. But also individually, we're part of the body. We're part of the body of Christ, and we're all called to use our gifts, our talents, our skills, whatever it may be, to him. Now, I think it's interesting Paul uses his metaphor of the body, you know, because I think that as you look at the human body, it illustrates unity. As you look at, at all the different things in your body, think about this. Your body has more than up to a trillion cells, has over 200 bones, over 600 muscles, and specialized systems that cause you to be able to live and function. Your body is diverse, and it's a picture of a perfect family. Think of this. If my eye catches something over here and I want to see what it is, what I'm going to walk over my hands going to pick it up to look at it. If all of a sudden I want to turn and walk this way, I think I want to turn this way, my body actually will turn and walk that direction. All different parts of my body functioning in unity to accomplish one thing. How about if we as the body of Christ do the same thing? If we as the body of Christ saw a need and instead of one or two people respond to that need, every one of us responded to go over, pick it up and look at it and see what we could do. And if every one of us turned and went in the same direction, going towards Jesus and his word instead of going to the world. 
Imagine what we as a body of Christ would do if we actually functioned as a human body with all of its unique parts all going in the same direction. And if we as a body of Christ actually did that, we could be a louder voice in this community and in this world than anything else. And right now, people don't even hear us. Most people don't even see us. We also need to understand that no part of the body ever tries to take over another part of the body. Every part of the body handles its own function. Now, it's, as it handles its own function, it continues to go in the direction it needs to go to. But everything does its intended duty because the result is what we're trying to accomplish through it all. And I think that Paul appeals to this body as a grand example of ultimate unity. The body is designed to be unified, so the body of Christ is also defined to be unified, and we should all be doing the same thing. In verse 5, he reminds us that, yes, we are individuals. We're saved individually. We're gifted by God individually. We're special to God as an individual person. And never be ashamed of that. Jesus loves you just the way you are. Jesus died on a cross for you. He saved you. And he has a plan for your life. He has a plan for, you, for your life. And he has a special place for you in the body of Christ. So as much as you may not believe that, oh, the body of Christ don't need me. Yes, they do. Everyone who's a saved believer has a mission, has a, has a calling on their life, and we need to do what it calls us to do. Never try and force yourself or what you believe Christianity should be on somebody else. Remember, it's individual for everybody. And every one of us probably has a different description on what being a Christian is. Every single one of us probably have a different opinion on what a Christian is or what a Christian should be doing, but we're all family. And man, God's got some strange people in his family, don't he? Because there's some strange people out here. There's some strange, so I got people raising their hands. I'm right there with you. I'm strange. I'm kind of weird. We all got some strange people in our own family also, right? <clears throat> you know, we got some of them second or third cousins twice removed. But we got some strange people in our family. God does the same thing. The, the family of God, the, the body of Christ, has some strange people. We all have different backgrounds. We all have different quirks. We all have different things that we believe in what we're doing. But we should all be unified going in the same direction. We should be seamless in what we do. Now, I understand, I don't want you to understand, uh, I don't want you to think that we'll ever compromise doctrine for unity, because that'll never happen. We are the body of Christ. I, you notice I didn't say we're Baptist, I didn't say we're Lutheran, I didn't say we're Pentecostal, we are the body of Christ. Doctrinally, everyone who's a believer in Jesus doctrinally have the same majors. And what I mean by the majors, you need to accept Jesus Christ to get into heaven. You need to accept Jesus to get into heaven. 
Baptism has nothing to do with salvation. How we get into heaven is the doctrine that we will never, ever sway from. We're not going to say, well, okay, well, we kind of do this. No. As the body of Christ, just as the body has a head and a brain, the body of Christ also has the same. And there's no place for ideas to, for the body to cooperate with things that don't line up with what God's word says. So we need to be obedient to the majors and don't worry about the minors so much. Everyone who has accepted Jesus possesses one thing in common, and that's the Holy Spirit. The day you accept Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit dwells within you. And in Romans 8 9, it says, If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. And since this is true, every genuine believer accepts these certain fundamentals of the faith. As we turn our attention, you know, as we look at that body, we need to understand that as individuals, we're given the Holy Spirit when we accept Jesus. So that means you don't have to pray to God for the Holy Spirit. You don't have to pray to God to get a gift. Because ultimately, when you accept Jesus and you get the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit gives you a gift. So you don't have to pray for it. You just have to go through life and, and take that time of being humble before God for him to show you what your gift is. You know, it's not like you got to, God, I want this gift, show me this gift, which many people will try and do. You don't have to pray for the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit indwells within us as soon as we accept Jesus. Understand that we need to continue to look at what he calls us to do. So we need to watch our place. We need to watch our place within the body of Christ don't be jealous of the grace of God. May have produced something in someone else's life that he didn't produce in yours. Know your place within his body. Last thing I think we need to do is watch our performance. Watch our performance. This is in verses 6 through 8. It says, according to the grace given to us, we have different gifts. If prophecy, use it according to the proportions of one's faith if service, use it in service. If teaching, in teaching. If exhorting, in exhortation. Giving with generosity. Leading with diligence. And showing mercy with cheerfulness. Each one of us has our own niche, but each one of us is required to carry it out. We're required to carry out the mission or the plan that God has for our life. Each one of us has been given a calling in our life, but it's our job to live out that calling. No one else can live it out for you. You've got to do it yourself. And it reminds us that once we're saved, that we receive that gift, we receive that, that calling from God on our life. And the problem is, is some of us, we don't like the calling that God gave us but we want the calling that he gave somebody else. If God didn't gift you with it, it's going to be a struggle. If you're out there trying to do something that God hasn't gifted you to do, it's going to be a struggle. You're going to struggle at it. It's going to be hard. It's going to be an uphill battle. Sit back, take that time in prayer and say, God, show me the gift you have for me. Not the gift I want for me, but the gift that you have for me.
Because when he gives you that gift, he will use you in a mighty way to use it. Problem is, some of us still don't know what that gift is. Because we've been trying to use someone else's gift our whole time as being a Christian. Well, I accepted Jesus and, and this is what I want to do, so this must be my gift. If you've been struggling at it and it hasn't been working out, it's time to sit back and look at what the gift is that God really called for you. <clears throat> Come to God and ask him for it. We need to ask the Lord to show you the gift he's been, that he's given to you. And when you take that time and he shows it to you, you will be shocked. You know, there's many gifts. Paul gives some here. This isn't an exhausted list. Paul also gives gifts found in 1 Corinthians 12, uh, verse 28 through 31. They're also found in Ephesians 4 and in 1 Peter 4. Understand there's many gifts for the body of Christ, for the church in itself. And each of us have different ones. And here Paul's more talking, the beginning of the verse, about gifts that expound the word of God. And the second part, expand the work of God. So part of it is getting God's word out there, and the other is expanding what God's word does and be able to use it in a mighty way. <clears throat> God's gift uh, gifts us for tasks within the body. He gifts each one of us differently. I think it's in interest in the last part of verse 8. After talking about, you know, prophecy, service, and this and that, he kind of tells us how we should do it. And, and I think these three things he says can be used in any gift that you have. And he says this. He talks about giving, leading, and showing mercy. And he says we need to do it with simplicity, diligence, and cheerfulness. How many times do we make something simple hard? Just take it as it's given. Keep it simple. Use the KISS method. Keep it simple, stupid. Keep it simple. Do it diligently. And show mercy while doing it. Be cheerful. It's kind of hard to be cheerful in today's world, isn't it? With everything that's going on in today's world, it's kind of difficult. And, and as I think about this with the body of Christ, I wonder, how well are we filling the roles that God wants us to fill? Are we as individuals doing what God called us to do? Or are we doing what we want to do? Are we actually being obedient to God's call? Or are we stuck trying to do the call of somebody else? Are we filling the purpose that God has for us? And if you've been listening today and there was a point where the Spirit told you, hey, right there, that's what you need to work on. That's what you need to work on. So, so if, if during this time you listen to it and you got that provoking of, oh, that's me. Oh, man, pastor, you've been bugging my house. 
Man, pastor, you've been listening to my phone calls? No. Because trust me, if you feel that way, the person next to you probably feels the same way. If I was sitting down there listening, I'd probably feel the same way. And just so you know, I get convicted when I write my sermons like, oh, that's me. That whole part about humility. Oh, you did. Pastor, I love that sermon. What sermon? I've been guilty of that. What are you talking about? I've been guilty of that. Instead of saying, well, hey, I appreciate, you know, it came from God. He's using me in a mighty way. I'm guilty of that same type of pride. Oh, well, I don't know what you're talking about. So I kind of blamed it on John earlier. But I'm guilty of the same thing. Like I said, I'm right there with you. And so as I'm, as I'm writing this sermon, it was kind of like, and I had to fight with myself. Do I really want to say that in the sermon? Kind of figured I could blame someone else, but man, I got, that's me. So if during this sermon and you listen to this, or even if you go back online and you listen to it again later and God's like, ah, that's you. That's what you need to work on. Be obedient to that. Take the step that God, you know, you're being convicted by the Holy Spirit. Take that step and be obedient to what God's calling you to do. And, you know, maybe you haven't discovered your, your gift yet. Maybe you haven't figured it out. Maybe you've been trying to take someone else's place in the body of Christ. Maybe you've been doing your job, but with the wrong attitude. Having that wrong attitude and why you're doing it. Doing it so that you think you're at the top of the food chain. Or you're boastful in what you're doing. You're not doing it with that meekness and that love that Jesus calls us to do it with. And you know if you're there, you know what you need. Be open and honest and go to the Lord in prayer with it. Because remember, each Christian has been gifted by the Holy Spirit in some way to aid the body of Christ in the going forth of the kingdom. Every one of us, if you've been saved, you've got a gift. It's your time to use it. And we need to watch ourselves to ensure we're not trying to use gifts that haven't been given to us. We need to be exercising the spiritual gifts that we have been given. And I will say, if you don't know what your spiritual gift is, there's all kinds of places online you can go and look for spiritual gifts. You can even go to our website at fbclantana.com slash serve. So if you go to where it says serve on our website, you have to there's a thing on there that says spiritual gifts test. And it's about 100 questions. And I will tell you, be open and honest, because if you just like middle of the line everything, it's going to tell you you're 50% of every spiritual gift. Be honest when you take it. <clears throat> be honest for who you are, not who you think you are, or who you want to be. be and I encourage you, take that spiritual gifts test, <clears throat> and then when you find out what your spiritual gift is, Use it. Use it to glorify him. Use it to glorify him and advance the kingdom of God. Because that's what we're called to do. And maybe you're sitting here and say, well, that's good, Pastor, but you know, I haven't got that Holy Spirit yet, and I ain't got the, the gift yet because I haven't accepted Jesus. And see, that's where it all begins. Because none of this is possible without you accepting Jesus as your Lord and Savior. 
And, and as I've said that if you're waiting to get it all together, hey, I mess up, I'm right there with you. God's word says we're all sinners, we all fall short of the glory of God. And if you think you're too messed up and jacked up to be in, in the body of Christ, you need to look around. Because man, God's got some weird people in his body. Should look to your left or right. It's some weird people. So if you're trying to wait till you get it right, you're wasting your time because today is the day of salvation. Accept him right where you are and let him radically change your life. Because God's word says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. At that very moment, you will receive the Holy Spirit. You will receive a gift or gifts. It's then your job to figure out what they are. Take that time through prayer. He will show you what your gifts are and then use that gift in his body. Use that gift within the local church, within the body of Christ so that we can advance the kingdom. Because like I always say, it's not about these four walls. It is about advancing the kingdom and filling heaven. That's what our job is. It's not to fill up FBC Lantana. It is to fill heaven with believers in Jesus Christ. We want heaven to be full of all of our family, friends, loved ones, co-workers. Anyone we know that does not know Jesus, we want them to know about Jesus. Use your gift to tell others about your Jesus. Amen? And if you're here and you're like, man, pastor, that's me. I was right there, man, when you were talking about that pride or you were talking about that self-humility or, or, you know, I'm a little boastful and, 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 you know, sometimes I'm a little prideful when it comes to other Christians and I see myself above them. Maybe you just need to come up here to the altar and humble yourself before our God. Humble yourself before our God. Have him take that pride, self-humility, self-deception, whatever you want to call it, have him take it from you so you can be the person he called you to be. Amen? So with that, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, we come to you today, Lord, and Lord, I ask that all of those in this room, live on church online, or even watching at another time, Lord, Lord, that you will open up their eyes and open their hearts. Lord, that they will receive the gift that you have for them. And Lord, that after they receive this gift and this talent that you have for them, that they will use it to advance your kingdom. Lord, that they, knowing that each part of the body is different but is unified, that they will come together under you be unified under you and your word, and that as we seek you, we seek to do what you call us to do, and that your will will be done here on earth just as it is in heaven. Lord, I ask that you help us to move boldly in what you call us to do. And Lord, if there's anyone struggling today that has a pride issue or is trying to use someone else's talent, Lord, I ask that you open their eyes that they may see where they're falling short of what you want them to be. 
And Lord, if there's anyone that does not know you, that today will be the day of their salvation. That they will rejoice in heaven because someone else came to know you. And Lord, continue to be with us throughout this week. And we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, thanks again for joining us here today at FBC Lantana for Church Online. And, and, and if, if you enjoyed what you saw today, I'd just like to ask you to go ahead, go to our website and, and help support this ministry as we try and outreach and reach the lost for Jesus Christ. And you can just go to our website, fbclantana.com slash give, um, and you can make an online donation right there. Again, I encourage you to get connected to a local church, and especially if during this message you felt compelled to accept Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, definitely go tell somebody. Let someone know because that is the greatest decision you could ever make in your life. And, and from there, get connected to a local church. Hey, we would love to provide you with some resources with that. You can go to our website, fbclantana.com, and on the very front page, you say, Give My Life to Jesus. Click on there, and at the bottom of there, there's some links and some good information for you. And just wanted to say, welcome to the family.